welcome to the Audiobook Living Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks, the narrators that perform them, and the authors that write the stories, including a special series with narrator Shane East. The Audiobook Eleven Podcast is brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 6 of the Audiobook Eleven Podcast. Narrator Aaron Shedlock is here with us today. Welcome, Aaron. Hi. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? So far, so good. Thanks. And thanks for taking the time to converse with me all about audiobooks and what you do. For those who may not know you, why don't you start by sharing a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you became a narrator? Ooh, there's a lot of questions all rolled up into one. <laughs> um, I've been narrating for four years last month. I celebrated my fourth year doing audiobooks last month. been doing voiceover work for, I really wish I kept track of when I started doing this stuff, like 10 years maybe? Wow. 10 years, yeah. Yeah, about 10 years. Um, what was the other question? <laughs> a little bit about a yourself. A narrator's yeah. mind at work. Oh, a little <laughs> bit about myself. Um, yeah. I, I have a, a pretty cool, pretty strange job. I get paid to read books for a living, really good books. And uh, I've got two dogs. I have a cat. I am married. I have a wife. Um... That's about it. <laughs> we just got Disney Plus, I think, like two days ago. So I have been immersed in Disney, in the world of Disney Plus, watching ah. old X-Men cartoons, watching old Spider-Man stuff. I stayed up kind of late last night watching some of that stuff and got up super early to start work today and worked really hard and was taking a couple of breaks in between watching some cartoons. Yeah, I was um, looking at that and I'm going, nah, it's okay. I have Netflix and Hulu. And then I noticed or that I saw that uh, the Gargoyles is also part of that. And I'm going, gosh, damn it. I'm going to have to get it. (laughs) Yeah, the entire Disney afternoon is on there. So that's like my teens and early, late teens and early 20s. They brought all that stuff back and put it up on there. Totally worth it. Yeah, you know when cartoons were good. (laughs) Yeah, they told stories. Yes, exactly. Well, it's actually nice to talk to you because we met uh, back in Shameless at the BookCon, which was last month. And so it's yep. fun to meet you there. And by the way, your your wife, yep. side note, is awesome. I love your wife. <laughs> she's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. She's, she's a bit more eye-catching than I am. <laughs> um, she she has a, a much a much bolder personality. Mm-hmm. Much much more outward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm more like internal and she's more external. That tends to be a good match. You know, usually that yeah. happens. Yeah. But so yeah. traditionally book signings and conventions has been a place where the authors and the readers can kind of connect and get things autographed and signed. But the narrators are starting to come to these events. How has it been the experience of attending these conventions and book signings? Um, the experience, it's changed. Even just from last year, it's, it, the uh, the fans are way more into it this year than they were last year. Last year was, you know, I had a couple of, like some diehard people that were really like, into the stuff that I do. They made it a point to come out and find me and, and have me sign books. But this year was totally different. This year was a lot of people. Um, they wanted pictures. They wanted to hang out. They actually wanted to chit-chat. Some couldn't even chit-chat. Mm-hmm. which was kind of funny. They were just all 
they were nervous about being there. Um, and uh, I had to poke and prod to get them to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, not in a bad way. Yeah. Way. No, it's nerve wracking when you guys, I mean, I would get like that a little bit with the authors, but I've developed the relationships yeah. via, you know, social media and reviewing their books and stuff. And now to be able to talk to you guys when we're listening in our headsets to the story that you're sharing with us, but also the type of romance that some of us listen to. And then we're like, Oh yeah. Hi. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the, it's the same. It's the same for us. Mm-hmm. I just did a, I did the weekend after shameless. I did love in Vegas mm-hmm. and we had, I think 16 or 18 narrators. Yeah. Attended that with, with me. And we had two tables. We were in the back corner. It was very, very busy. We were very, very popular. It really um, made me feel pretty good. It made me feel like a special, you know, person mm-hmm. to have that many people take time out of their day and come out and say hi and and talk to us and ask us questions and have us sign things and take pictures and chit chat and it was, it was a good time. And then afterwards, you know, we even got to go and you know have a sit down traditional kind of hangout and have some drinks and chit chat to more people and people kind of let their hair down a little bit and weren't mm-hmm. so nervous. Yeah. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited and I'm glad that you guys are starting to attend these um, events more often. I hope that the events themselves, the people that are organizing them see the value in having the narrators attend and be part of that uh, group. So it's not only like one of those where it's just a little special thing or they sometimes don't even advertise them. So I really do hope that the conventions um, and the events, you know, see that. And that way you guys can go to more. Yeah. I think they are. I think they are. Um, especially the Love in Vegas. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they comped all of our tickets to kind of encourage us to come. The only thing that we had to pay for was the hotel and the airfare um, getting there. So that's helpful for us when we're doing, you know, when you're going to like three, four, five, six, you know, conventions a year, if you're having to pay for all of the, you know, the convention fees and all that stuff, that it starts to get really expensive. And then you have to get more picky and choosy about where you're going. I mean, it's bad enough with the, you know, the flights and stuff, but no, everyone is getting um, a lot more supportive. You know, they're bringing us in They're They're giving us more room to work. Um, you know, we had two tables this year, love in Vegas instead of the one small table last year. Um, there were six of us last year and there were 16 or 18 of us this year. So it's, it's growing and, and, uh, uh, there's definitely a value, you know, cause now you have, cause there's two different parts of the industry now. It's not just books, you know, it's not just authors. Now it's authors and there's also actors kind of involved that are performing their books for audio. And then you've got other people that are coming in too that are expanding, you know, the entire situation. You've got the bloggers and you've got the, you know, you've got book reviewers, you've got people that are just a lot of different types of people all coming there with different reasons, but all for the same thing, all to celebrate the books and the people kind of surrounding this little industry. So it's a good time. I think uh, definitely um, Love in Vegas is on my radar for next year. It's got to say for the flight. Um, to be a bit more expensive but again this year yeah. i really wanted to go and it wasn't because of the authors it was because of the narrators that were attending there were a bunch of us yeah i think also too it's the reason why i love audiobooks is i've uh, discovered a lot n- uh, more new authors because of you guys so once i find a narrator yeah. that i love um i kind of see well what else are they you know listening to and what else are they you know narrating and stuff like that so i'll pick up an author or a book that I may not normally have picked up because of the fact that you guys are narrating it. 
Yeah, and that's perfect. That's that's a really good um I did the same thing. You know, when I was just listening to audiobooks, I had uh, a few of my favorites and anytime they released anything, it didn't matter what kind of a book it was, I usually picked it up and listened to it. And you know, sometimes I liked the stories and sometimes I didn't, but it 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 was it's nice having an extra way to there's so many books out there. It's really hard yeah. to, you know, you can go through and scroll through covers all day. Um, but it's really nice to have like an extra avenue to kind of help you pick and choose what you want to listen to next. And if it's a narrator, that's great. If it's an author, that's great. You know, I'll read anything by certain authors and I'll listen to anything by certain narrators. My list is a lot bigger now. But the biggest uh, the biggest reason, like, like the, one of the biggest catalysts for bringing the narrators out in the world of, um, the book conventions is is oral fixation and Lydia Rella. She's a huge propane. You know, she loves her narrators and she's been pushing for years now through the group, but also through a lot of the conventions to try and bring more of us out there. So I have to give her a shout out because you know, she's just done some amazing things with her little group. Yeah, no, she's great. I love her. Yeah, so, so. All the people that are on the sidelines are still like a huge part of this industry. You know, it's not just authors and now authors and actors and now authors and actors and bloggers and reviewers, now authors and actors, bloggers, reviewers, and also fans that just really, really love the industry and are, you know, they have these huge groups of people that they've put together. So they're kind of like, um, kind of like wine sommeliers, you know, they, they, they're, they're cultivating these, these groups of people. So, you know, if you're into romance, you just go to this group and, you know, hey, recommendations. I'll give you 30 recommendations of what everyone is loving and listening to. Yeah, it's like, how so much time do you have? <laughs> yeah, it's a community. And I love, I love that part of it. It's great. So many people all have their role within the industry. That's all helping all of us out at the same time. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yes. I love the community and that um, oral fixation is a great group because while my family and friends are very supportive of what I do, um, when I try to explain to them about a book that I'm listening to or this, uh, my excitement for the next release, they all look at me like, mm-hmm, sure. I know. <laughs> I know. And yeah. So, yeah, but when I get to talk to you guys and or like the members of the different groups or when I go to these conventions and events, they're like, these are my people. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Speaking of books, how do you prepare when you finally get a book to start narrating? When I finally get a book, let's see. I try. This is what I try to do. I'll, 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 this is my goal, which is I'm still working on this. I try to prep. I prep my books like crazy. Um, all my books like crazy. So with how busy I am, because I have books. Um, right now I'm booked out till uh, June right now. So I book out really, really, like really far. Wow. And um, the, pro- the problem with that is week to week to week, you know, every week I've got one or two like brand new books that I have to look at. So what I'm trying to do is prep early, like prep weeks in advance. And my problem of prepping weeks in advance is once I get myself all prepped and I get my head wrapped around a book, I know exactly how I want to, or I have the idea in my head of how I want to work the book, how I want to narrate it, how I want to perform it. If I'm still working on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books until I get to it, it's just, going to become a convoluted mess in my head you know because you can only focus on so much information and I put a lot I put a lot into every every single book that I work on so what I do now is I have recording windows and I'll have like generally I give myself about a week 
per book or per two books. I, I generally work on a, like one to two books a week, generally. So um, I give myself a week to prep the book. That that allows me to read the book once. That's usually I spend one day reading the book. Um, I make a list of all the characters, make a list of all their personality traits, all this little actory kind of like goofy stuff, so I can helps me get into the characters a little easier when I'm in the booth. Um, I prep my books. Uh, I look up any weird names that I'm not familiar with or weird words that I'm not familiar with. Um, sometimes books take place in very specific places, and it's a really good idea to, to maybe find all the websites you can about that place just to or at the very least maybe watch like a tourism video or uh, some kind of videos about the place from natives and i bring that up because there are specific things about specific locales where they have spe specific pronunciations yes like if you went to new york and you ask somebody in new york hey where's houston street people in new york will look at you like you're an idiot because it's not houston street it's houston street mm -hmm. and every little place around the country and around the world has similar types of of little local things so if if the location becomes a character in the book then I treat it like a character and I'll read up I'll do a whole bunch of research on the location just so I get like familiar with the pronunciation the streets um dialect that kind of stuff so I can kind of apply that to my characters and stuff and then once I get all that stuff done and I have all my notes, I'm usually narrating with another, with a co-narrator with a lot of the romance stuff because a lot of it's dual POV. Then I'll share those notes with the narrator and we'll email back and forth a little bit. And then once we're all set up, then I'll jump in the booth and I'll start recording. And when I start recording, um, I just, I record until it's finished. And then I jump on to my next project. But at the same time, I'm doing stupid stuff, you know, business stuff like bookkeeping and uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. All the admin but stuff that I, sucks, right? <laughs> yeah, all the admin stuff. And I'm not very good at that stuff. I mean, I'm a very organized person, but I still I still don't like doing that kind of stuff. It's no fun. There's nothing creative about it. I don't, it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta be done, though. Gotta be done, though. That's uh, Yeah, that's, that's really important. If you can take care of that part of your business and keep that part of your business flowing really well, then it makes everything else so much easier. But that's generally how I prep. Um, what I'm trying to do is prep early because I've ran into a couple of situations where uh, sometimes the book is more complex than what I realized. Um, and either there's a bunch of pronunciations or there's some, some books have foreign dialogue. So I have to hire I have to I have to hire people to actually record bits of foreign dialogue so I can I can listen to it over and 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 then try and mimic it, try and replicate it, which just happened a few weeks ago in a book. I had so much foreign dialogue. I mean, I was speaking German and French and Hindi and Celtic Britannic and Gaelic. So what I'm trying to do is prep my books a little earlier and give myself a little bit more kind of leg room to like to be prepared for the book. You know, that's what I'm trying for. But it, I mean, it's like each each way that I work has a, has upsides and downsides. You know, I like like once I get started on a book, once I start the prep process, I really like to stay super hyper-focused on that book until it's done. I don't like to step out of it because it 
changes things. It's hard to explain, but it changes how uh, how I perform the material. The closer I am to it, the more connected, the more in my head it is, and the longer I've been thinking about it, the more it just it gets so much better. Well, yeah, because it's when you know you're performing that character and you're getting to know that and all the other characters that you're voicing at the same time. So I can only imagine. Yeah what that would be like if you were doing multiple books at once and you're going, no, wrong voice. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything just kind of starts getting a little convoluted. And I, I don't, I don't like working in that place. I really envy actors that um, film actors and television and screen actors and theater actors. I really envy them sometimes because they get to focus on one character. I've only been able to do that for one book, one book where I got to focus on one character and I got to put all my time and energy into just, this one character and that was payback with Amy Dawes because we had that was a multicast so we had four different narrators and my part in the book um my part in the book was Ronda Walt he was a South African soccer player and I just got to be Ronda Walt for a week and it was fantastic I'm going to admit this that that's actually the first book that I listened to where you narrated so that's how I really found yes <laughs> I'm curious where are you from because you have a very you have a, a very particular accent. I do. Where are you from? Are you from Are you from New Jersey or New York or what <laughs> part of the East Coast are you from? Actually, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Were you really? Did you live up up north? Nope. Like, where did you get your Jersey? Because you have a bit of a Jersey accent. I do. Say narrator again. Narrator. Yeah, say narrator. Narrator. Yeah, narrator. <laughs> narrator. Yeah. Yeah, you got a little bit of my aunt Lucille. She's from New York, but she spent a lot of time in Jersey, so she's mm. a narrator. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. sometimes I pick up the accents. Like for the, our honeymoon, I went, we went to Boston. And so I, okay. to this day, and it's been like 18 years, when I say car, I say car, I can't go car. You know, <laughs> I just kind of, that's car. the one yeah. word that I just picked up and it still stays the same. I'm like, ah, you know, when I go to Texas to visit family, sometimes a little twang come picks in. But again, that's the whole thing about accents and how people love them. Never been told I have a Jersey accent before. I have a friend from Jersey. I'm gonna have to tell her that she's gonna have a kick. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little bit. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not full on. You know, it's no, not no, 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 yeah. It's not Jersey housewives kind of accent. Oh but God, you, no. You definitely have a very particular, a very particular look. I wouldn't have uh, guessed you were actually born and raised in Miami. Yeah, born and raised there. Of course, there's a bunch of different dialects in Miami from a culture perspective down there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a big, it's a smorgasbord of, of, of people. It is. But you mentioned payback, and I was sharing how that was my first book that I read. That was your that you narrated, um, and that had, character had a specific accent, which I've been told by other narrators that it's really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> it is. You want to um, share a little bit about that? Like, how did you get went about? Yeah, I, I did a bunch of prep. I did two weeks of prep working on that character. Um, which is unusual. I don't, I usually don't spend that much time. Um, if it's an accent that I really want, well, the thing was, is that particular book, like I said before, I just had the one character to work on. So it made sense to put forth the extra effort into, it was a unique accent. It's a South African, um, slightly Cape Townish like accent. So it made sense to put forth all the effort because I was just, I didn't have anything else to think and worry about. I could just really focus 100% on that character and how he sounded and how he responded and just his his 
sound and his feel. Um, and South African, it's a difficult accent unless you actually, unless you've either been there, have lived there, or know people from there, because it is almost, it's a perfect blend of British, a very particular style of British, and Australian, and New Zealand. And I say New Zealand because there's a couple of little things in their pronunciations that are more New Zealand than Australian. So I kind of include New Zealand in there, but it's made, it's a, it's a perfect blend of British and Australian. And it's really, really easy to slip more into the Australian side. If you're um, trying to think of the phrases, my mind is going completely blank now between British and Australian. I can't think of it, but it's the perfect blend between those two, and it's a fine line. You either start drifting more towards British or you start drifting more towards Australian, and you really need to focus and kind of stay in that middle ground to keep the accent believable and to keep them unique. Um, otherwise, people start saying, what, is, like, is he from Australia or is he from England? Like, which one is it? If you do it right, usually they're like, oh, he doesn't sound like either. He sounds like he's from somewhere else. And then you start, and then you figure it out in the story. Oh, he's from South Africa. Oh, he's from South Africa. That's a South African accent. Uh, there's a lot of little things. I watched uh, a whole bunch of South African movies. I watched some South African TV shows. I had a friend of mine that lives in South Africa. He lives in Joburg, in Johannesburg. Um, and he visited us a couple of years ago, so I still had a lot of his accent stuck in my head and a lot of the terms that he used. Um, oh, like. Like is a very good word to pick up on the on the South African accent because you've got like you have you know the Australian like and then you have the British which is like which is which is more of a you know like like and then you have South African which is oh, like that in the middle and it's a like so there's, a, there's little like differences and um so it's been a couple of weeks and I figured out all those differences my dog's gone crazy <laughs> my wife just got home from work so all these little differences and and if you work hard enough on it then it flows really well and then people like it and and then i feel good because i feel like i did a good job and all that work was you know um all that work was appreciated yeah no i love the book it's uh, i think it's one of my favorites that she's written so far um and you guys did a phenomenal job and i love the multicasting that she decided to do on it we were talking about accents and I know that from a listener's perspective, they love it. I love it. Um, is there, a, what is your favorite accent, accent to perform? Hmm, I don't really have a favorite accent. The one that I drift into the easiest at this point, because I spent so much time working on them would be Irish and Scottish, South African, um, any kind of a Southern accent. Cause I lived in the South. For a long time, so I had a, a lot of um, a lot of experience with those accents. Um, British. I'm getting more into British accents, but I'm trying to piece it apart because I want to. I want to learn the specific British accents because there isn't just one British accent. There's uh, what is it, like eight or twelve? Yeah, maybe? I think so. Yeah, there's several British accents. You got. It, that country is basically like a mini version of the U.S. So yep. <laughs> there's different accents in different parts of it. And there's actually even more variety there than there is 
in the American side with the accents that we have because they their culture was uh, has shifted quite a bit over the years. So they've got French influences and they've got Gaelic influences and they've got um, there's not really any Germanic stuff, but you know you've got some Viking influences. So you've got some a little bit of Swedish and some Scandinavian and some and some uh, uh, yeah, just some other stuff. So I wanna I wanna get more into the British accents and get better at those because right now I've only got a couple. I've got my British-ish sounding guy who sounds like a like a Jason Statham, and that's because I've seen so many action films. Um, or uh, I watch a lot of Guy Ritchie films, so I pull a lot of accents from there. And, and it's always a very particular London Suffolk yeah. accent. Because it's all, all those movies are all like underworld mafia, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that's a goal. That's a goal for 2020 is to improve and learn a bit more about. I don't really have a, a favorite accent, though. Because okay. I, I like the human voice and I like how, how different. It's like a musical instrument to me. At least that's how I picture it. That's why I picture people, the way that people speak. And, and um, it's it's the one thing that's truly unique about everybody that nobody even realizes everyone has a unique voice true on the opposite spectrum of that what is the hardest accent to perform so far for you hardest accent to perform anything good question anything asian anything asian because it's not necessarily it's different. And I think it's different because being from America and growing up the time period that I grew up in and growing up on Kung Fu films, um, it's almost been, it's been parodied too much here in America. So the only reference point that I have for Asian accents are based off of parodies, which are horrible. Yes. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done, I it's not my favorite accent to do because I can't really wrap my head around the actual true accent because I haven't spent a lot of time with anybody, you know, with anybody from, from China, from Japan, from Korea, some from Korea, because I've had some friends from Korea, but their accent, I mean, they learn English before I learned a second language. So their English is almost like accent less. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's no accent for the most part. Not that it's not my favorite, but um, I, hardest, I don't yeah, like yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the hardest, and it's because of it's because of uh, of my past experiences kind of applied to it, which make it more difficult for me to actually pull into those accents. Because the last thing I want to do is a parody. That's that drives me crazy. Yeah. And if I start if I start doing an accent, and start to sound like a parody, like I'm almost like I'm making fun of it, then I just get frustrated with myself. There's a guy that I hire for all of my really really complicated stuff. He is he's his. I'm not even sure what his PhD is in. It's something to do with language, but he speaks 26 languages. He can write and read over 30. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He, um, he used to write, he came up with the Beltier language for the show, the the sci-fi series, The Expanse. Mm -hmm. Wow. Specific language that is spoken by people um, that are actually born in space. It's called Beltier and it's like a, it's a mix between um, Cajun and a couple of other things. Yeah. Wow. He's a pretty cool guy. He, he's the one that helps me out when I have 
when I have to figure out how to, when I have these long passages of Celtic, Britannic, and Gaelic that I have to figure out how to say, I usually, I shoot him an email because he's brilliant and he'll just record the stuff and give it back to me. That's awesome. So I'm going to say, according to Audible, because I've, I've learned that I have to say that because the numbers usually don't match up as far as how many audiobooks you have out or about to be released versus what they're cataloging. Um, so according to Audible, you have a total of 139 books already released and some that are in pre-order. And of which of those 139, 109 are in romance. Is that how many, really? Yeah, according to Audible, yeah. (laughs) I thought it would be more than that. Sometimes they get their stuff. They get their stuff a little fast. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm drifting into some other, some other genres, but like romance is still like the big deal for me. But some of the romance are like sci-fi romance, and some of the romance are uh, paranormal. Sometimes it it depends on the book, and I don't know. Like who was on duty at, at the old Audible at the time? Because some of the books don't don't even get into the romance category, and they are yes the romance authors. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that a few times, or I even seen when their math is off, and I'm like, in one thing it says this number, and they're off by like five, and I'm going, someone needs to get the calculator. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but still, it's a hundred, the majority of your books fall within the romance genre. Um, yeah, is, is there a specific subgenre in romance that you? That you have a favorite to perform, rather. Subgenre of romance. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I really like the nice guy stories, but those aren't very popular with the fans, and I realize that people, ladies, and uh, I mean everyone loves a redemptive story of a you know of of the more assholey alpha uh characters um but my favorite is contemporary and i would say the nice guy romances um super fan was one that was one of my favorite nice guy romances um one of my favorite books because i just i love the character mm-hmm. and it's a hockey book so you know i'm a big fan of hockey so i've done a couple one two three hockey books two hockey books three so that's the second book of yours that I listened to. And it had been on my... Yeah, that's, that entire series I need to catch up, but I started with Superfan. Um, and yeah. I love that ca- that book. I love that character. So yeah, I do like the nice guy stuff. I mean, I'm all He's for the alpha. nice guy, yeah. yeah. It was like a breath of fresh air for me because I've done so many alphas and mm-hmm. and some of, the, uh, yeah, some of the alphas are nicer than others. They're not always, you know, these huge, huge, pricky alpha guys. But sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just like a lot of the biker books they do. There's a lot of redemption that goes in into the like some of those authors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I loved uh, Superfan, and that's from Serena Bowen, and that's definitely a nice guy. But I liked it because it was a little less dramatic, you know, from a drama perspective of the guy being such an asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I don't know. He was very down to earth. I like that. Yeah. And also the, the hockey thing. I'm actually kind of getting a little more into it. I have a friend that we work together and she loves hockey and um i love seeing her face when she starts talking about her team um so she's been teaching me (laughs) stuff and it's great because now when i read the book or listen to it i'm like i know that term (laughs) yeah yeah i kind of like that too i have to admit when i do hockey books i was like it likes because i'm not a sports guy i'm not i'm not i'm not into like football basketball baseball i used to be into baseball when i was a kid used to play baseball but I drifted away from it once it got to a certain point. I was much more into drawing and writing and uh, 
I was I was digging into the creative side of myself. So the sports side and the more competitive sports side of myself kind of just didn't it just never really developed. So, but I like hockey. You know, I got into hockey later in life. So whenever I actually read a book that has some stuff that I recognize, I'm the same way. I'm like, hey, I know what that means. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's always fun. Um, speaking of fun, I like to play a little game with my guests. Um, and yeah. Yes. No, but it's, I it's, just played a game last week with some other people, and it was called Stump the Narrator. Oh. And it was actually pretty good. I actually did really good. I thought I was going to fail miserably at it. I thought it was the biggest uh, – I don't know if it's like this for, for many other people, but for me, I put so much into each book that as soon as I start prepping a new book – all the information from all my previous books has to kind of go away. I need to make room for this onslaught of information about the shove in my head about the project I'm working on. And surprisingly enough, cause like what they did was they read passages to me and then I had to figure out what book it came from. And they were old books. Some of them were old books. And it's surprising, like how much of that stuff is still in my head. I just need a couple of little, a couple of little, you know, I think it's more just the writing style. Once I figure out the writing style, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. That's this book. You know, I actually, I did pretty well. I got four and a half out of five right. That's awesome. Well, yeah. this so. game that I like to play, it's also about getting to know you a little bit better. And it's um, called Would You Rather? Oh. I've played this, but there's generally like alcohol or other stuff inside. <laughs> Actually, someone told me that I should do that, have you guys, like, drinking wine and me, and I'm going, no, 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 I make enough mistakes on my own when I'm sober. I'm not going to be yeah. doing this while, <laughs> while I'm on, you know, tipsy drinking mead. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you're ready, I can start with a question. I am I'm ready. I was born ready. Let's awesome. All right. Would you rather be an unimportant character in the last movie you saw or an unimportant character in the last book you read? Oh, nobody wants to be an unimportant character. That's a hard question. That's like, would you rather lop off your own toe or lop off your own <laughs> finger? Like, I'd rather, I'd rather not well, lop off either. Well, it depends on the mo- <laughs> the last movie you saw or the last book you read. Because sometimes it's true. Uh, last movie I saw was. I'm trying to think. I've been. No, well, I'd, I actually, I would rather be an unimportant character in the last movie I saw because it, uh, it was a sequel to, I think, Hassle Flying Dagger, so it was like a kung fu film. I was doing research for a book. So I would rather be an unimportant character in there because the unimportant characters in those movies don't die. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not beat up by the kung fu masters because they're unimportant. They just run away screaming. So. Would you rather have to read aloud every word you read or sing everything you say out loud. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, man, I would do both. Yeah. I already <laughs> sing everything I say out loud. You guys don't know that because I don't record that stuff, but I do. I sing a lot. Um, <clears throat> man, sing everything I say or read aloud everything I read. Probably sing because singing is more. Oh, you get tired of singing faster than. Probably read out loud. I'm, I'm, yeah, I would read out loud. That would actually get me better at what I do. So, but I would still sing. I mean, I would. I would, still, I would probably just do both. Yeah, that's true. 
do like a 50-50 school. Like today, I'm going to read everything out loud. Tomorrow, I'm going to sing everything I say. <laughs> Tomorrow, I would sing everything I would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? 20 minutes early. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. Always. That says a lot about that's that's a big that's huh, that's a big thing. If you're always ten minutes late, which mm-hmm. like I always am, generally. <laughs> but I always leave super early, so my ten minutes late is like five minutes early, which is mm-hmm. like you know, that's like the cutoff for being a uh for being a respectful person. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I would rather be twenty minutes early. Because, okay. you know, you got a phone with you, so I can just die off. I can play video <laughs> games or I can I can Facebook for 20 minutes, no problem. True. Yep. And it'll give you time to focus and relax. You know, whatever it is that you're doing. You know, if you're if it's like a job interview or like an audition or something like that, it'll give you, you know, 20 minutes to relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get in the groove. For yeah. sure. Would you rather know the history of every object you touched or be able to talk to animals? Oh, talk to I would pick talk to animals, but mm-hmm. what if the conversations are horrible? What if that was the thing that you picked and the conversations are bad? Like they just they're just bad, like they're always negative. Oh, or boy. um or it's like talking to a two year old. <laughs> now you have this ability to talk to every two year old on the planet with the <laughs> Oh goodness. I guess that's I just the risk would, that um, you run, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would I would probably want to know the history of every object they touch just because because I, me in my own head i would overthink that decision to the point of not making the decision oh. I, I can't do this i can't <laughs> i think i think because that sounds like that sounds like something a genie would give you mm-hmm. what's your what's your wish and you better be super specific because i can make it suck for you yeah i'm gonna go with uh the uh, yeah i'm gonna go with the things the history of the things mm-hmm. that would be actually kind of cool yeah, I think that would awkward be awkward sometimes too. If you went over to somebody's house and grabbed something, whoop, put that back down. Yeah, <laughs> that can make for interesting conversations over at parties and events. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. Would you rather have unlimited international first class tickets or never have to pay for food at a restaurant? Uh, unlimited first class. I like how you added the first class in there because <laughs> that makes traveling. So much, oh, much better. Yep. God, I wish I. I think that's that's the only reason why I, I would like to be wealthy. Well, actually, there's a couple of reasons why. Is I would like to be able to travel a private plane oh. would be the ultimate. But first class would be the you know a close second, just because traveling sucks so much. And also the other thing would be I would want someone. I would want to hire somebody to just make sure I never had to think about food ever again. <laughs> Make me some amazing food, and then me never have to actually think and figure out, like, you know, what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight. That is a big problem for me. Oh, wow. You and I are alike in that case. <laughs> yeah. It drives me crazy. I just don't want to. It's almost like getting pestered. Your body's pestered. Like, hey, you need some food. Mm-hmm. But I don't really feel like thinking about it. I'm doing, I'm busy. I'm doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be able to teleport anywhere or be able to read minds? Man, if I had first class tickets everywhere, I wouldn't need to teleport. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I would want to read. I think I would. I would. I, I would probably pick read minds because then that would make me a superhero. 
Well, teleporting would make you a superhero too. Yeah. That's a really good superhero power. But if you could read minds, then you could be like Professor Xavier. But I think the reality of the situation is you would get bored within a month, and it would just you would either like you would either become a supervillain, like you would you would either get to a point where you would just start figuring out how to how to accumulate as much wealth and power as possible, like it would go to your head, or you would just realize that nobody thinks about anything. Nobody really thinks about anything. This is so boring. This is, everyone just thinks, everyone is thinking Pokemon right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, It yeah. seems like it would be super cool, but then reality of it is mm-hmm. people only think about Facebook. People only think about Twitter. Oh, my goodness. It can be bad. Is it like surface thoughts or is it deep down? Is it like do people actually sit down and deep down think all the time or is it just, you know? Yeah. Man, you're like a, you're like an evil genie right now. <laughs> we'll wait until the next one. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Would you rather never have to clean a bathroom again or never have to do dishes again? Uh honestly those um those don't bother me. I don't mind doing a uh doing either one of those things. Um I'm not necessarily like a super neat freak, but you know, I I clean I don't mind cleaning at all. Um, I don't have kids. <laughs> if I had kids, I would probably say I'll never clean another bathroom for the rest of my life. If I had kids, <laughs> if I had boys, oh boy, boys are some dirty, dirty little shits. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it can be. I've been to people's houses where they have a house full of boys, and they go in the bathroom, and you're like, whoa, your toilet needs a shave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I've been on the opposite spectrum where I've been to people's houses that have kids and the dishes are like all over the place and their sink is overflowing oh. too. And I'm going, oh my God, it's because they, you know, they grab all the stuff. So, Oof. yeah. Yeah. I would just say bathrooms because I want to take super easy. I don't mind doing dishes. I, I, I like, I do dishes as I do them, you know, okay. because we're all like adults in the place. And, but I'm the only one that really does that. Okay. You know, in, this, in this area. I'm more of a, I'm the cleaning force and, in, in the house mm. so I do all the vacuuming and the mopping and the cleaning and the dusting and the, uh, my wife does laundry though mm. she crushes laundry that's because I got banned from doing laundry because <laughs> I don't really like separate things oh boy <laughs> I do I do but I just I do it, it's because when I start doing like mundane kind of things like cleaning is pretty mundane you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't spend a, I, I don't put a lot of effort into thinking about what I'm doing when I'm doing that kind of stuff. I just mm-hmm. go off into either I listen to an audiobook or I'm thinking about something. So I, I, my mind wanders. So when I'm doing laundry, I'll just start putting stuff in. I don't really, I separate darks and lights, but I don't really separate like types of fabrics and this should never be washed. And these bras only have to have to be in bags all the time. <laughs> I usually just take the big clump of clothes and put it in and I put the stuff in and I wash it because, um, when I was single and I was living alone, my wardrobe was simple. It was like dark colors. Yep. There were no like, there wasn't a big variety of colors. All the clothes basically looked all the same. Where I had a lot of black t-shirts and a lot of black long sleeve shirts and a lot of black pants and a lot of jeans. And I had khakis. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had a job that required khakis, so the khakis would get washed separate. Yep. <laughs> but now washing my wife's clothes is much different. They just require a lot more thought. Yeah. And a lot more care. So she does the laundry. So she does the laundry and I do a lot of other stuff. So. 
Cool. It's great that you, you learned a lot in that question. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I love this game. You get to know a little bit more, and and um, and also as far as like answering, I've had some some people that are like just one or two, and then others that kind of give me more deep dives, which I always love when they do that. Yeah. Yeah. Is there another one of those? Do you have yes. More? Would you rather? Yeah, I have two more. Oh. Okay. Two more. Two more. Okay. okay. Would you rather be able to control fire or water? Oh, fire. <laughs> I would want to control fire. Uh, uh, water. I don't know. Water just doesn't seem like as much fun unless I was like super into surfing. Hmm. Fire. Fire. I would want to control fire because you could do some fun stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine like your Halloween display? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> if you controlled fire. Yep. Actually, if I controlled water, though, then I could go outside without an umbrella because I, I do not like being out in the rain. I hate – I don't mind being wet. I just don't like being dripped on. It just – it triggers something. I don't know if I'm, if I'm on the spectrum or what. It just I just don't like being dripped on. It's like somebody tapping you on the forehead oh. constantly like, hey, hey, hey. Uh, fire. I'm going to go with fire. Fire. Okay. Last one. Would you rather have a golden voice or a silver tongue? What's a silver tongue? What do you consider a silver tongue? Um, what is that? It's like when you can kind of be very eloquent and, you know, speak. Oh, like Shakespearean? A, like, well, no, just like be able to express yourself versus sometimes how I do it. Um, <laughs> the very jaggedy. <laughs> I, would, I, would go, I would go silver tongue on that one. Yeah. If I could, if I could, uh, if I could command language enough to the point where I could be very eloquent and I always find that really interesting when you meet people that are really good speakers not in how they speak or how their voice sounds but how they express ideas and how they don't use ums and ohs and likes yes how they take a minute they get the idea in their head and then they express it that is truly 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 impressive to me because when you go to places like England and Ireland their school systems are a lot different than ours the basic ability to communicate is like their basic ability to communicate their thoughts is so much higher than ours. Like, um, see, I just did it right there. I'm like, like, um, I would, I would love to be able to do that. Yeah. I think it's just one of those, like, I know mine is like, so that's so. that word. Yeah. It's like, so, and I'm like, going, I did it again. Um, I did the same kind of stuff because yeah. I do the same kind of stuff. Um, I grew up with a stutter, very, very strong stutter, and it took a lot of um, speech therapy to to work around that and, and to be a lot more fluent. And when I started doing voiceover and started doing audiobooks in particular, I had to basically take all the old, all, all the stuff that I did speech therapy for when I was when I was a kid, you know, so I could learn how to speak like a normal person, and um, not like a normal person. That's that's me. Um, so I could speak comfortably with people without being, you know, overly shy and stuff. Um, all the, it was all based around cues. And I would always use words to basically jumpstart my stuff to get around the types of sounds and the types of vowels and the types of consonants that would make me stutter. So I would just, I just figured out a way to work around stuttering. I always still stuttered, but I just, I figured out a way, I learned a way to work around it so I could speak more fluently. When I started doing reading audiobooks and doing the voiceover stuff, but audiobooks in particular, 
couldn't do any of that stuff. You, you, know, you, you have to read what's on the page. You can't change how you say things so I can say it better. Um, so I had to go back through and before I even recorded my first audio book, I had to basically like relearn how to how to speak with with fluency. It was a lot, it was a lot of work, but I did it. I did it, and I'm glad I did. So I don't know what we were talking about, which triggered that. <laughs> we were talking about if you had the if you would rather have the golden voice or the silver tongue. The silver tongue. Silver tongue, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be mine as well. Aaron, before we go, can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on, if you're able to share, of course, um, and then what comes next for you? I can't share a whole bunch of it because a lot of the stuff, they're not necessarily like NDAs, and they're not super secret, but um, the book I'm working on right now is Wicked Thorn for Kim Lorraine. It is a novella about vampires the book is out because she was selling it so i've got the book right here because she gave it to me when i was in vegas and she had to find it for me nice that's the book i'm working on right now and that is basically prepping me for i've got a series that i'm working on with her later next year through one of my publishers through tantor they picked her up um next week i am doing a book for gene st james with the amazing teddy hamilton and it is crossing the line it is Motorcycle, police romance, um, police MM romance. And I'm super excited about that. I haven't read that book yet, but um, I start my prep for that on Monday, next Monday. Now I'll be getting into that. And I have a new pseudonym, but it's not romance related. So I, I usually don't talk about it in the romance groups. I, I did the reverse. I, I narrate romance under my real name and I pseudonym for other genres like sci-fi and fantasy. But I have a, a book that I just wrapped for Podium Publishing. I wrapped it on Monday. Um, and it's a Chinese mythology Wusa book, Wusa Shensa book, which is like House of Flying Daggers, uh, Crouching uh -huh. Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, okay. kind of cool kung fu, kung fu stories. Um, Chinese mythology, Japanese mythology, that kind of stuff. It's really, really good. I enjoyed that one. Um, I finished up the third book in the Catherine Cowell series, beautifully in her Beautifully Broken series, Beautifully Broken Spirit. I'm not sure when that one's coming out. I think that the pre-order is up on is up on uh, Audible right now for that one. I think the second book in that series just came out last week. Really, really good series. She's a really good writer. She's a new writer for me. Um, I got into her series a few months back and was really impressed with her work. Good to know. What else do I have coming up? I do have some more sci-fi and some more fantasy coming out soon in December. The third book, I'm sorry, second book in the Time Shard series by Dana Fredstein and David Fitzgerald. That book is called Shatter War. That's the book that I did all the crazy dialects and all 60 plus characters and a whole bunch of accents in that wow. book. Okay. And finishing in the new year, um, I recorded that with uh, Sierra Klein. My schedule is like a, just a wall of projects. <laughs> oh, um, I did one of the love letters in uh, Tanya Edie's her compilation, Filthy. Oh, I did yeah. Filthy by, uh, was that the name of the, 
like, was that the name of the book or was that the name of my letter? No, that was the name of the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's filthy. Yeah. Oh, I think the letter I wrote was to Fluffy. I think that was a mine was called Fluffy. I think Mm. that was, it was written by Julia Kent and it was a love letter. That's part of that series, which is pretty cool, man. It's really nice to, to be lumped in with all those super awesome narrators and authors. I like that. That was a shorter project, so something I could do in a day, but it was a lot of fun to be part of a, a much larger whole. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's on my list of um, um, to listen. Haven't done it yet. Yeah. Really good. Really fun. Um, Savior by Fiona Cole. That was a recent book. I did I recorded that one in September. That one just came out though, I think recently. That was really, really good. I'm looking at my calendar right now and I'm realizing that I didn't book any days off for myself. Oh no. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, we'll have a lot of things to listen to then at least, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Almost. uh, um, I'm about to hit the 150 mark. I'm trying to figure out exactly what book is going to cause it. It's hard to figure out because I have pseudos now. So I have to start adding. And one of the books that 139 that you're seeing on audible, one of those books is a short story that I wrote. Ah. So one of the 139 is mine, and that was actually narrated by McLeod Andrews. A little short story that I wrote. The only thing I've ever indie published or published had put out into the the waiting arms of the world. <laughs> we'll have to check that one out. It's up there. It's on the old Amazon. It's it's an audiobook too. It is called The Promise. It's a suspense. It's a quick little hour long, or a good less than an hour quick little short story it's a character that came from a much much larger story that i wrote huh. that was just got too big and too convoluted for me to ever really get back into and finish but it was he was one of the main characters in that story he was a super creepy guy <laughs> not creepy <laughs> but super just a strange guy he was just a he was a, a hitman kind of fellow oh okay cool definitely adding that to my list Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I well, hope you like it. I will. Definitely. It doesn't have a lot of ratings. I don't think a lot of people have actually listened to it. But it's got, got five-star ratings. So from the few people that checked it out, but those are all probably like friends and family. And fans. <laughs> so can't take that too seriously. Yeah. No, it's just one of those, sometimes they go through stages where you write the book, nothing, you hear crickets, and then someone says something about it, and then it blows up. So Boom. Yeah. yeah. yeah was. 500 cool. reviews in three hours. Yeah, so that's one of those, that, that, that's the moment probably that you're waiting for. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for taking the time to chat with me. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Yeah, it's been fun. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're, if you're not following Aaron on Facebook, Twitter, or on SoundCloud, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and start clicking on the likes and the follows, and I will add the links to the podcast as well as to the blog, Viviana and Chapters of Books. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Audiobook Loving Podcast. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. Subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Don't forget to submit your questions of this or that for Shane to answer next time. Happy listening. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Loving Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more info about today's episode or the Audiobook Loving series, visit VivianaEnchantressOfBooks.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast if you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, happy listening.